listening to the Queen City Church Sermon of the Week. Enjoy this exciting message by Pastor Andy Squires. Guys, we're so glad you're here. Today is really about family. This is kind of a, a day where we're just taking a moment to thank the Lord for all that he's done for us and all that he's given to us, and specifically uh, through the ministry of Robin and Donna. Um, you know, Pastor Appreciation Day is kind of something that churches do all around the country. And when I when I when I think of like Pastor's Appreciation Day, it, it's it feels a little sterile and generic. And I don't want this to feel that way today. I want this to feel like our hearts are in this because, man, looking back over my life, the only reason why I am who I am in Jesus is because faithful people have gone ahead of me and before me and have consistently laid down their lives so that I could become who I am. And we're all part of that story. Amen. So I'm just going to, I'm going to like literally going to preach a 10 minute message to you today. This is going to be like the best. Yes. Thank you, Stuart. The best 10 minute message you have ever heard. So um, recently Robin has from this pulpit said this phrase, uh, there's never been a golden age of the church. Okay. He's, it's kind of dispelling that myth that the good old days were back there or back when the church used to do it this way. Everything was so much better. And so what we need to be doing is look back there and get it right over there like they did. But the fact remains, there's not ever been a golden era of the church. The church has always been messy because the church is full of people, right? And people are messy. And so we can be relieved of having to live towards some false idea of what the church was once. And we get to live in the reality of what the Lord wants to do in and through us today. Amen. So the good old days, they don't exist in, even in the earliest days of the earliest days of the church. Like when the church first started, things were bad and things were messy, you know? Uh, so in, uh, the apostle Paul's first letter that he wrote to the Corinthian church, he's writing this letter because he really wants to help them and they really need help. All right. The Corinthian church had uh, well, they had started behaving very badly. They, they kind of lost their way. And Paul has to write a very strong worded letter to them to help get them back on track because how you act and what you believe and how you behave in your life, it actually matters. I don't know if you've thought about that lately, but it, 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 it doesn't necessarily matter. Um, for for the here the life after it does matter but more than that it matters for your life now like the things that you're doing thinking believing acting out on it matters for your life on planet earth okay so what's true now was true then and paul is trying to help the corinthian church to get back on track all right so in chapter 4 of the book of corinthians paul is writing to them in order to deal with their issue of pride and he uses this term. He says, many of you have become puffed up, right? In fact, within the first six chapters of the book of Corinthians, Paul is pleading with the Corinthian church to repent of a significant list of things that were bringing destruction into their lives and into the church, all right? When was the last time you read the book of Corinthians? It's, 
difficult book to read, but you should read it, all right? So within the first six chapters of the book, we see Paul bringing correction to the church of Corinth with regards to sins of sectarianism, which is they were dividing over whether you were inferior or superior, according to their minds. The the sin of sectarianism, uh, the sin of false wisdom, the sins of pride, hubris, and sexual immorality. Oh, and last but not least, uh, within this church, imagine this church right here, uh, every other week, one of you guys got mad at somebody else sitting in your row of seats, and rather than dealing with that person, you took them to court and sued them, right? This was like normative behavior in the Corinthian church, and Paul had to write this letter and said, guys, that's not good. Stop it. Like, stop being prideful. Stop committing sexual immorality. Oh, and by the way, stop suing each other in court, all right? So Paul is bringing these Nice corrective words to them. So this church was a total mess. This church needed help and they needed Paul's words of wisdom and correction. All right. So isn't it true that you and I, we need words of wisdom and correction in our lives, right? We need people who will speak to us grace and truth that will bring us back in to walking in God's kingdom way. Okay. So it is possible for you to go through your life, live it exactly how you want it, and have nobody say anything to you about your life, and you think that you're on the right track, but you're not on the right track. That is possible. Does everybody agree with that? Acknowledge that at some point. Like, you've got to have somebody who can help you follow the Jesus way. And that's what Paul's doing for this group of people. All right? So another way of putting this is that we need help from spiritual mothers and fathers who can help guide us into the wisdom that we need. All right? All of us need shepherds who are faithfully caring for our souls. Here's the tension, though. The world is full of people who want to influence you, but who don't have an actual relationship with you. All right. The world is full of teachers and preachers and gurus who want you on their team. They want you to buy their brand. They want you to be amazed by them, but they don't have an actual relationship with you. All right. So you can also make the mistake when you're living your life that you get fed from all of these outside sources in your life, like a podcast or a book or an Instagram account that you follow while none of those things are bad. And, and I mean, they're fine, but they are not what we really need when it comes to the actuality of our lives. Okay. They're a good extra, but they're not the main event. All right. So the thing is this, we don't need expert instructors. We need fathers. We don't need gurus. We need mothers. All right. Paul said as much in Corinthians chapter four, all right? He said this, I do not write this to shame you, but I write this as my beloved children. I'm warning you for though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. He was differentiating between people that instructed and taught from the outside without relationship to a person. 
He was saying, that's fine. You have a lot of those. But what you really need is somebody to mother you. You need someone to father you who has an actual care about your soul. Paul is saying here that many people will try to teach you or instruct you, but what you need is a father. And the thing about it is, is that there's not many of those around. Paul is saying, like a father, I actually care about you. I care about you even to my own detriments. So the thing is this, it doesn't take a genius to know that parenting is hard, right? Like, you don't think I'm necessarily super smart because I stand up here and tell you that parenting is hard. You don't even have to be a parent to know that parenting is hard. If you've gone to Walmart and you've seen the lady pushing her kids through the aisle and the kids are screaming and she doesn't know what to do, you can assess that parenting is hard, right? You're with me on that, right? So parenting is hard and there are a whole lot of downsides to it. There's a lack of reciprocation. You love your kids, they never love you back. There's a lack of recognition for a job well done. How many of you moms have been up all night with your baby, your husband's fast asleep? Nobody knows. Nobody knows that you're doing that good work. You know, how many of you husbands are up all night with your baby and your wife's fast asleep? All uh, right, Hunter. <clears throat> so, so there's a whole lot of downsides. There's a lack of reciprocation, lack of recognition for a job well done. There's a lack of sleep. There's a lack of a clean house occasionally. There's a lack of personal time. No one goes into parenting to become famous or significant. Parenting is the kind of work where the best work that you do, nobody ever sees. Seen by no one. And do you know that that young humans can't be raised by podcasts or or Instagram influencers, right? They need you to be in their lives. They need you to show them the way the way to go. You do your best work when no one sees it and no one ever congratulates you. Paul said, there are a whole lot of people who want to instruct you, but not many people want to be a father or a mother. And there's a reason for that. To be a father or a mother is a sacrifice and it is very hard. So this week I was, there's this guy that I love. He's an Anglican bishop. His name is Todd Hunter. And I was, I was reading him this week and he said this thing and it really struck me. He said, Christianity is not about abstract ethics or moralisms. It's simply that behaviors like rage, lust, or slander do not align with the kingdom that we are praying would come into our hearts. So the fact is this, is that there are things like that list that I just read that many of us have in our lives. We have rage, we have lust, we have, you know, all of these different things that we, we struggle with. And I remember being a young Christian, having all kinds of issues in my heart and in my life that weren't good. I had things in my life that needed to be healed. And if, if I didn't get healed from these things, they would, these things would pr- produce destruction in my life. All right. I had issues that were so problematic that I couldn't be helped by someone with a platform ministry whose secret desire was to be important and influential. 
What my soul needed was care. I needed to be discipled. I needed to be mothered. I needed to be fathered. And thankfully, there were people who decided to invest their life on me, invest their life into me, and help teach me the way of Jesus. Have you, have you had somebody like that in your life? It's so important. And they spent time with me, and they walked the way of the Lord with me, and they showed me how to walk the way of, of the Lord. You know, you don't just wake up one day and know how to follow Jesus. You have to look at somebody who's doing it well. You have to look at somebody who's modeling it for you. That's why Paul says over and over, be imitators of me as I imitate Christ. You know, our young people know how to follow Jesus because we have given ourselves to following Jesus. So here's the thing. None of the people who helped me when I was young are known for that. None of those people are famous because they helped Andy Squires when he was a young man get on the right track with the Lord. Nobody knows who those people are. They are hidden. They paid a cost. And maybe outside of a thank you now and then from me, their their contribution to the kingdom is totally forgotten. It's totally hidden. That's what mothering and fathering is. That's what kingdom mothering and fathering is. None of those people are known for that. They all did it because they actually loved me. They actually cared about what was going on in my life. They actually cared what was happening in my life. And I want to close with this. Those people might not be known, but they have a legacy. I'm their legacy. And I'm priceless. It's true. You might not think that, but I am. I'm precious. I'm priceless. And those people, I mean, I grew up in California. Those people are all like old and on their way to the grave now. Nobody knows who they are. But they have a legacy of faith and belief and hope that they gave to me by sitting me down and telling me about this man from Nazareth named Jesus. And they started walking in their steps and they showed me how to walk in their steps. And they have a legacy. And now guess what? I have a legacy. I received something from those brothers and sisters, those mothers and fathers of faith, and they gave it to me. And in turn, it is now my great privilege and my great honor to invest that legacy and give that to someone else. And that's what we're kind of doing here together, isn't it? That's what we're all doing together is we're a community of faith that has these distinctives of faith. And we're trying to do our best to go after Jesus. It doesn't mean we're perfect. It doesn't mean we're ever going to get it 100% right all of the time. But there is a transference of grace and truth and power that you can only get from a father or mother in the faith that you can't actually receive anywhere else. You can't receive it on your own. You can't receive it out of your Bible reading. You have to get it from someone else. So that's my message, everybody. You're precious and priceless too. All right. Stuart Clark. Was that 10 minutes? Was anybody counting? I was actually tempted to get a stopwatch because I really didn't believe you. Hey, we asked a couple of friends of Robin and Donna to uh, people who aren't here in town just to record a little video greeting. So we've kind of compiled those together. So 
Christopher, here we go. Hey, Robin and Donna. Um, happy Pastors Appreciation Week, day. Um, really, it should be a year for both of you because you're amazing. And um, Sheila and I have so much to uh, thank you for. You have been, um, yeah, you've been amazing. You, you're really spiritual parents to us. And uh, working with you for those first five years of Queen City was great. And just um, there's so many things that have happened in my life since then that I can go back and pick out little nuggets and um, things that you've talked to me about, Robin, and, and things you've, you've taught me. And uh, you helped me grow up and be a grown man. And <laughs> but uh, I just, Donna, you're just, you're probably the kindest woman that has ever walked this earth. And you, you, um, you serve so well and you lead so well. And it's just beautiful to watch. And um, yeah, I'm just so grateful to be one of the many people that you have helped uh, pastor, raise up, teach. Um, love and I uh, I'm at the Ryman I'm in I'm in Johnny Cash's dressing room at the Ryman and I'm playing here tonight and leading worship here tonight and you have so much to do with that and I um yeah so this is pretty special to be able to make this video here I owe so much to you guys and I love you guys so much I love Queen City Church so much and um yeah, I appreciate you. <laughs> Pastor Robin McMillan, if I wasn't standing on the shores of the Sea of Galilee in Israel, I would be at Queen City Church today to be celebrating this Pastor Appreciation Day. Robin and Donna McMillan, you guys are champs. You've been in the city for decades and you've served Queen City Church with such amazing uh, faith and love. And I, as one of the board members, want to just say thank you to you. We appreciate you, McMillans, for all that you've done. You guys have laid down your lives for King Jesus. And uh, Queen City Church is the fruit of that. Thank you for serving. Thank you for loving the people of your church as well as the people of the nations. Thank you for standing um, to see the kingdom of God come to Charlotte, North Carolina. And I bless you today. And as one of the board members of Queen City Church, I just say thank you for doing all that you do for this amazing congregation. Mwah. Hey, Robin, Donna, it's Juan. I wanted to congratulate you guys and tell you that I'm really thankful for you and how you've influenced and impacted my life. Um, so thankful for you. I hope that you're celebrated and blessed today. Love you guys. Hi, Robin and Donna. Uh, just a few days ago, I received an email inviting me to participate in this day of celebration. Uh, a day celebrating what you have done there in Charlotte with Queen City and with so other, so many other ministries. Uh, I've been reflecting in the last few days over what you've meant to us. Our family and our ministry share a history of over 30 years. And we want you to know that we deeply value you, love you, and are thankful for everything that we've experienced together 
through the ups and the downs, you've been there, so kind and so encouraging through the years. Hope this is a wonderful day for all of you. God bless you guys. Hello, Queen City Church, Robin and Don McMillan. This is Matt Peterson. I wanted to be a part of this in joining my voice along with so many others and echoing how much we love and honor both of you for all that you've done, for who you are, for what you do on a daily, weekly, monthly, uh, yearly um, way where you love people and pastor people. You've stirred me up. Uh, You constantly draw people to Jesus, point people to Jesus, to the kingdom, your kingdom people, and we're really appreciative of your lives, of your efforts, of your service, of your passion for Jesus. Thank you for your friendship as well. And I can speak for all of us here in the room that uh, we are honored to know you and to have you as a leader in our lives. And I'm so thankful for the decades of friendship that we've had. Actually, I had black hair when we first met. Um, Hey, hope you have a wonderful day. Love you guys. Robin and Donna, congratulations and thank you for a lifetime a really amazing ministry, faithful ministry. You guys are some of our closest friends, uh, and we love you dearly. We love your family. Y'all have so so much impact, impact and influence on us. Thinking about all through the years, uh, Robin. When I when I think about you, the the thing that comes to my mind first is inspiring faith. That's that's really what you do in people uh, that are around you. You really inspire people to act in faith, to be in faith. That's just an amazing thing. Uh, and Donna, when I think about you, I think about somebody who's steadfast and somebody who perseveres and, and someone who keeps Robin straight many times, <laughs> which he needs keeping straight. Um, but you guys, I, I just want to commend you for your, for your faith and for your mm-hmm. courage and for all that you've done and, and how you've set a great example to, to press through things through the good times and through the bad times. Uh, when I think about, about us together, our family, our our friendship, our ministry time, I think fun. It's just been fun. And so thank you for that. You've got many years ahead of you to finish whatever thing, all the things that God has for you. And Robin and Donna, I just treasure the friendship that we've had, the history we have together, the family time, our families growing up together, the vacations, and I just, we look up to you guys, you have encouraged us along the way in ministry and in everyday life, and we really today commend you for staying steady and being faithful to the Lord and faithful to serve His kingdom. And we just honor you today and give you thanks, really, for not giving up. And we bless you guys and really do believe you have a great future ahead. Uh, we love us some Robin and Donna. <laughs> uh, no, I am so thankful um, for Robin and Donna. Um, you know, they have been with us through some of our happiest moments of life as a family and um, and some of our you know, most trying and hardest times of life, but they've always been there um, for us and welcomed us with open arms. I don't really know anyone, especially pastor-wise, that has uh, more of a heart for God or displays God's heart more and love than than Robin and Donna. Um, They have always uh, been there for us, and I'm so, so thankful and appreciative for, for them in our lives. 
Thank you. Thank you for all you've done for us and for our kids. Um, we love you. All right, wasn't that cool? Let's talk a little bit about why was why are we going to spend a whole Sunday, you know, for pastor appreciation? I didn't grow up in sort of a traditional church that did all the stuff traditional churches do. I, li- I like traditional churches. I just didn't, I didn't, I didn't know there was a pastor's appreciation day. So I feel a little bit bad that this is the first. Apparently, there's one every year. I feel, you know, a little bad that this is the first one. So we kind of got to make up for the past 10 years. Um, but I, I want to talk about like, why do we, why will we do a pastor's appreciation day? You know, like I think we take for granted, um, that, <laughs> hang on. I think sometimes we think everybody's history and everybody's experience is the same and we all know the same stuff, but it's not true. You know, we all came to the faith at different times and in different seasons and in different ways. And so, Sometimes it's important to talk about things that seem really simple, you know, and in a time and a day and age where things are being heavily questioned and moved around. I mean, and some of that's really good. Right. But I think we, we have to continually define why our values are as such. Did, did I say that right? OK, sometimes I try and sound important and I'm just saying things wrong. But <laughs> um. So it's important. Uh, the word honor has been abused. Words get abused a lot. I don't know. I don't know if you realize this. I was watching the 90s movie on the airplane, and there are things that were really funny back then that like aren't really anymore. Because the first time I heard it, it was funny. And then people say it, and it just becomes part of culture. And it's like, like I remember that was funny. And now it's just something we say all the time. You know? I can't think of a good example that I can say here in public. But, but look, the word honor has been heavily abused. It's been overused at times, and it's even been used in some really bad ways. It's also been used in ways, the word honor has been used in more authoritarian type cultures to control people. And the temptation is to react, you know, and I realize the older I get it, like, you know, you, sometimes you have to correct but correcting and reacting are two different things. I think when I was younger, I was this. You know what I'm saying? And as I get older, there's still this, you know? And hopefully we can get a little more down the road as I get older. I can, I'm sure you guys don't swing as hard as I do. But we all do, you know? And so the word honor has been abused. But it's, it's really sad that honor, that the word honor has been abused because honor is also one of the most important and essential concepts that we learn as we mature both in faith and as human beings. Right? Honor is one of the most essential things that we learn as we mature in the faith. The word honor basically or simply means to place a high value upon a thing, a person, or a relationship. Right? See, if I remember correctly from my time in ministry school, the Levites weren't allowed to own land. Is that correct? Here's why the Levites weren't allowed to own land. The Levites weren't allowed to own land because the Lord was their reward. And as an act of faith, they made themselves dependent upon the other tribes. Right? They made themselves dependent 
upon other tribes. They forfeited their rights to certain pursuits so that they could be the keepers and cultivators of the spiritual community. And this is for several reasons, but one reason, um, one reason we honor ministers with our offerings is that we don't want the keepers of the spiritual community to be motivated by business. And it still happens, right? But, you know, Scripture says that we honor our father and mother so that our days will be long in the land. And what does that mean? What does that truly mean for us? All we have is handed down from them. If we dishonor them, we cut ourselves off from the generational work that God is doing. Right? And as one who I I believe in the Lord, I believe in the supernatural, I believe in the spiritual life. Right? But I also don't believe in the rain dance Christianity. I don't believe in the magic. Like we shake the hand one way, we kick the leg, we... Stand this way and then like the rain falls. I don't believe in that. I believe everything in scripture is for a reason. Right? All the principles of scripture are for very specific reasons. I want to explain a little bit, okay? If that's all right. This may sound a little weird, but I promise I'm going somewhere with this. Has anyone ever been to Paris? The city of Paris? Now don't. Don't tell me if you disagree, but I love Paris. I'll be honest. The first time I went to Paris, I thought, I'm going to have a great time because my wife's going to have a great time, but I'm just going to, you know, whatever. Right? I didn't realize how amazing Paris was because it's so cliche to love Paris. I thought, it can't be that great. Well, it is. (laughs) Gets real touristy around the Eiffel Tower. Watch out for the uh, panhandlers. (laughs) But if you can get away from the tourism, it is... An unreal city. It's such an unreal city that Hitler said he wasn't going to bomb Paris because he wanted it to be (laughs) still standing. He wanted to make it his, you know, the place where he displayed his power. Like Hitler didn't even destroy. That's how Paris has such an amazing history. Let me tell you this. Um, I was walking around. Am I pronouncing this correctly? Champs-Élysées. Come on, somebody. Yes. And I I was like, you know, I want to see what a bottle of rosé costs. I walked in and sitting right there where anyone could touch it, where a child could push it over, right? I was like, it's a bottle of rosé. Let's just see, turn it over. $1,500, set it back down, and I backed out slowly. But I thought, why in the world is a bottle of grape juice? And it's a rosé, for God's sake. It's not a... It's not a red wine. I, I mean, I, I like rosé too. I'm just joking, but you know, you know, this wasn't like 1942. You know what I'm saying? This was a bottle of rosé. Fifty, and here's why the bottle of rosé was worth fifteen hundred dollars is because it was sitting right there. That's why it was worth fifteen hundred dollars because of the work that people have done in that city because of the beauty that people have invested into that city because of the artwork, because of the statues, because of the churches, right? That city is so valuable because of the things that people have invested in in that city. It's so valuable that people come from all over the world. People come from all over the world just to be there. 
The value is cultivated by the work that people did in that city, right? Well, Jesus said that the church is salt and light, right? You got to understand there is a value to community. There is a value to places in the world because of the work of the people of God. And we get it wrong a lot, but I am convinced. I am convinced that many of the problems we face as a nation are because of the breakdown of the church. Even the breakdown of the bad church. And there is some bad church out there, ladies and gentlemen. I'll just be honest with you. But uh, even bad church is better than no church, in my opinion. I could prove it with data. I could prove it with progressive data, if that helps. <laughs> I don't even have to prove it with my conservative data. I got data on across the board. Right? But ministers, people, pastors... Throughout history, women and men have sacrificed and given things up so that they could sow and pour their lives into a spiritual community so that things could be different than maybe they otherwise would be. We take for granted all these ideas we have about treating people with respect, all these ideas about equality. Where do these ideas come from? We seem to think we wake up in the morning with the, these ideas or that these ideas are natural to humanity. But if you look at history, they are not. They are not. Someone said that children learn how to hate. That's actually not true. Children learn how to be, they know they're born knowing how to look after what's theirs. They have to learn how to be giving. They have to learn how to see other people like themselves. They have to learn things like equality, like love. Leave a child on their own in the wilderness and see how loving they are when they come back. It's true. These things don't happen by mistake. Am I making sense? It's the same for the work of the spiritual community, the church. The church is supposed to be the work of God in the city. This only happens when people are committed to this work. It doesn't happen by accident. It doesn't happen by good intentions. These people who give their lives, who sacrifice for the spiritual work of the community, These are the keepers of the spiritual community of the work of God in the city. That's why today is Pastor Appreciation Day. When I was a teenager, my parents sat us down. My dad had this great sales job. He's, I think he's making pretty good money. My dad's a pretty good salesman, if you don't know. He's worked real hard to lose some of that I'm joking. My dad's a salesman, had a good sales job, and he felt the call from the Lord, and he walked away from his job. I encourage young people not to do that. <laughs> be wary when God only tells you what you want to hear, okay? Be very wary when God tells you the things you only, only the things you want to hear. He walked, my parents left their job. And not left their job for another job. They left their job 
My dad left his job and me. Mom, my mom was making the sacrifice. Right? A sad sense that they're leaving their job and they don't know what church they're going to pastor. But my dad is called to be a pastor and he knew the Lord was calling him away from his job. And so my parents left the job with bills, four kids, car payments, the whole deal. And they ended up pastoring a very small church down in Pineville, South Carolina. And really beautiful things happened from that decision. I can't speak for everybody, but I never would have played a chord on the guitar if it weren't for my parents' decision. My brother, who's um, in California right now, I can't tell. He's, he's doing real good with his film stuff, right? Um, he never would have picked up a camera if it weren't for this decision. And there's so many stories like that I'm sure we could all all tell. If my parents hadn't sacrificed and left their job and gone into ministry, not knowing how they were going to pay the bills, how they're going to take care of their children. Well, 10 years ago, my dad called me on the phone and said, you know, I feel like the Lord is calling me to start a ministry in the city. We noticed a lot of the people we really felt called to um, were leaving the, the church that we were at and sort of the stream of ministry that we were involved in, we noticed a lot of the people we felt called to were leaving and we felt a call to pursue them. And so my parents decided to leave their job. And I don't think they mind that I say this. We started this church and they took a 50% salary cut. So you see, there's a history of sacrifice for the work of God. There's a history of sacrifice. And had they not made that sacrifice, I mean, look around. We would not be here. I mean, we really, we really wouldn't. And, and I'm sure you. there's many, many, many stories of people who have been blessed by this ministry. But it wouldn't exist. It's, it's tempting to think like we'd all kind of get together anyway. But it's just not true. Somebody paid the price. And I mean an actual price. For, the, for what we have here, for the worship for the speaking, for the teaching, for the community, for the kids' ministry, for the love of God. I want my kids to grow up hearing about Jesus. They hear about everything else all week long. They get like just a little bit of time in there to learn about God. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. That's worth it all right there. I'm really sorry if I'm going kind of long. But they took a risk and they walked away from their income and into the unknown. And the fruit was remarkable. And a decade later, they walked away from a salary at a big ministry, took a 50% pay cut. And their sacrifice has borne much fruit. And all this to say that taking up an offering is a very ancient and traditional form of honor towards a spiritual leader. Because the life of a spiritual leader is one of sacrifice. And dependence. And I feel like it's important to say that. I feel like it's really important to say that. We're not running a business here. There's no profit motive here. It'd be cool if there was. But we take up offerings and we talk about money sometimes because the people who have committed themselves 
and sacrifice for the work of God in the city. We feel like they deserve a little something. And I'm not asking you to do anything you don't want to do. But I'm saying you probably have thought good feelings in your heart towards the people who have sacrificed and given for this work. And you've probably thought at times you'd want to bless them. And this is just an opportunity to do what I think you probably already wanted to do. No sales pitch here. Zero. Only love and opportunity. So if it's cool, on this pastor's appreciation Sunday, I wanna, we want to do something that's been done for 2,000 years. We've honored the people who have given up land and have made themselves dependent on the community. We want to take up an offering. I think Stuart's going to come up and do that right now. You've been listening to the Queen City Church Sermon of the Week. For more information on this message and other resources, visit queencity.church. 